the nations of this world have put more resolutions against the nation of Israel since their inception in 1948 than all the nations combined. And of course, many of you followed the most recent, most heinous declaration the UN made where they said Israel is not worthy to be a nation. Welcome to Search the Scriptures, the Bible teaching ministry of Dr. Carl Brogy, Senior Pastor of Community Bible Church in Beaufort, South Carolina. Today is part two of Pastor Carl's sermon entitled, The Battle of Armageddon. Revelation 19 verse 19 says, And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies assembled to make war against him who sat on the horse against his army. The Bible teaches us that all of the armies in the world will join forces to try and defeat Israel and the King of Israel, Jesus. Let's join Pastor Carl now as he continues. You know, you go in and you look at a diamond and the, the, the man pulls out a nice piece of black felt to make the diamond pop. And well, there's going to be a black backdrop and it's the birds of the air. Look further in verse 17. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun. And he cried out with a loud voice, saying to all the birds which are in mid-heaven, Come, assemble for the great supper of God. Now, as you know, Israel is in the middle of three continents, Europe, Asia, and Africa. And experts tell us that every year some 500 million birds fly over Israel as they head into Europe, Asia, into Africa. Uh, one fall trip many years ago, about a decade ago, we're in Israel, and we just had to stop and look. I'd never seen anything like it before or since. Just millions and millions of birds in that migration process flying overhead. And so that's the backdrop to this bright and glorious angel of God who the scripture says cries out with a loud voice saying to all the birds which fly in midheaven, come assemble for the great supper of God. They're flying in midheaven or you could render it high overhead. These are scavenger birds. And here, here's this mighty angel. And if you've studied the Revelation, angels are not fat little babies like Hallmark will put them on a card or they're not these effeminate type creatures. They are not only servants to those who will inherit salvation, but they are mighty warriors. And here is this mighty warrior angel calling all the birds of the sky for this battle. And by the way, Jesus references this. You might want to put in the margin next to this verse, Matthew 24, 28. Matthew 24, 28. And there, of course, the Lord Jesus speaks of all the birds that will be present at his second coming. So this is a great supper that God gives to the birds here at the campaign called Armageddon. And we'll see in just a moment, the armies of the world are fighting against one nation at their capital, Jerusalem, and they are fighting one Messiah, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And there's an invitation from this angel, come, assemble for the great supper of God. And so here's God's victory over the enemies that are forcing their way into Israel to go against the Jewish people. You say, where is the food? The people are the food. This is the greatest expression, I suppose, of international cuisine you could ever imagine. All the nations of the world, they're coming together. And God's birds are going to eat these dead people. Now, please don't miss the timing of the angel's invitation. 
he announces the invitation for all the birds to gather um, ever before the battle begins. So here they are. You know, it's got to be intimidating. What are all these birds doing here? Millions and millions and millions of birds flying in the sky. Wave after wave after wave of birds coming upon Israel. And God's armies are coming from heaven, wave after wave of the angelic army and the church army where we are in white horses following the Lord Jesus. And the scripture says there's a word protruding, a sword protruding from his mouth. And last week we studied it carefully and we let scripture interpret scripture. We saw that the sword that's proceeding from his mouth is the word of God. Paul speaks of the word of God in that fashion, as does the writer of the Hebrews, where he says the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And so the Lord is going to come and by the word of his mouth, he's going to shut down these armies. You say, what is he going to say? Probably just drop dead. Bingo. Millions of people dead all across this great battlefield. And Hebrews 11.3 tells us that the universe was created by the word of God. God just spoke it and from his fingertips came galaxies and universes. When he speaks on this occasion, he is going to speak a word of judgment to all these armies, all the nations of the earth. You say, is the United States in prophecy? They're right here with all the other nations. (laughs) They're here. All the nations are. All the nations are going to come against Jerusalem, against God's people. Now remember, there are two banquets that are described here in the 19th chapter. A few sessions ago, we studied one of those banquets. Do you remember what it was? The marriage supper of the Lamb. Two banquets. You're either going to eat at the marriage supper of the Lamb, or you will be at this particular banquet called the Great Supper of God. One is a banquet of great joy. The other is a banquet of great sorrow. At one banquet, you will be at the supper. If you know the Lord Jesus, if you don't know him, well, many will be the supper. They will literally be eaten by the bird. So that's the calling of the fowl. Secondly, I want you to think for a moment about the consuming of the flesh, the consuming of the flesh. All the birds are called to come and to assemble. For what purpose? Verse 18 says, so that, here's the reason so that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of commanders and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of those who sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free men and slaves and small and great. I mean, this is an unparalleled slaughter with millions of dead bodies up and down the land of Jerusalem over this 200-mile stretch. You might want to put out in the margin next to this verse, Revelation 14 and verse 20, where Armageddon is also described in John's vision. Listen to that verse. It says, And the winepress was trodden outside the city, and blood came out from the winepress up to the horses' bridles, for a distance of 200 miles. The slaughter will be so great, the scripture teaches the blood will be up to the horse's bridles. Now, the skeptics have said, because largely Christians have given them an opportunity, and they said, look, if every single person on the planet were on this piece of land, and they all died at once, and their bodies bled out, 
there wouldn't be enough blood to bring their blood up to the horse's bridle. That's not what the text is saying. He is speaking about the this blood-soaked ground. Some of you have rot, road-ridden horses on a day that's muddy and it's wet and soaked and the mud comes all the way up to the horse's bridle. He is just reminding us that there's going to be so much death, so much blood, that it will come all the way up to the horse's bridles. By the way, it appears by the end of the tribulation, after the fourth bowl, uh, that maybe some of the more conventional methods of military uh, means will be canceled at that point. And I have a whole message on that if you're interested. 72 hours, search the scriptures.org. You can la- download the app if that would be helpful to you. But it appears that they are literally on horses because the conventional means are gone. In either case, for this great supper, the birds will notice, eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of commanders, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, those who sit on the horses, the flesh of all men, free men, slaves, small and great. Now in life, we tend to rank men by class. And uh, he is just reminding us that no one is outside the realm of this coming judgment. Kings, commanders, mighty men, slaves, and free men. It's incredible. Now think your way through this for just a moment. You say, I thought slavery was gone. No, it's virtually never been gone in the history of man. It's always been here. Slavery maybe in America is gone, but not completely. It's always been here. In fact, the United Nations says there are 48 million people who are enslaved across the planet today. Some more conservative numbers would say 21 million. How does it take place? Well, there's certainly collateral debt slavery. Many nations of the world, including nations like Pakistan, Nigeria, Ethiopia, Russia, Thailand, Congo, Myanmar, Bangladesh, they have indeed collateral debt bonded slavery where if you owe a debt, you are not released from that debt until it's paid. And if you don't pay it in your lifetime, then you're kin that will follow will pay it. But then one of the most common forms of slavery today is what we call sex trafficking. Our government tells us the border is secure. How she can stand up there, the press secretary, with a straight face and say the border is secure when thousands and thousands of people are coming over the border. You say, Pastor, have you no compassion? Yes, I have compassion. We should let people immigrate to this nation. But Moses gives some parameters. He reminded the people of Israel, look, there was a time when you were in slavery, when you were an alien in the land. And when the alien comes into your land, you should treat them with compassion. But the alien that came into the land came under the rules of their nation. And if you have a nation with no borders... You have no nation at all. God established the borders according to Genesis and according to Acts 17. We have had over 150 nations come across our border. And now that Title 42 is getting ready to expire, you haven't seen anything yet. And what is so pathetic is we've gone from an average of 20,000 people overdosing a year on drugs last year to over 100,000, and it's going to surpass it this year in 2022. Is there no compassion? But what is most disgusting to me is these little 12 and 13 and 14-year-old girls who are being abused and used and enslaved for greedy, evil people. 
It's a form of slavery that is disgusting to God, and it should be disgusting to you. Furthermore, he speaks not just of the free and the slaves. He speaks of the small and the great, every social category, whether it's the untouchables in India or whether it's the high elite muckety-mucks, those who make royalty in England. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how much money, how much power, how much fame, how much intellect, how much social status you have. Death is the great equalizer. We all stand and level God before an absolutely holy God. And Jesus is just going to speak a word and the birds will eat their flesh. Now that's Satan's forces as they are uh, doomed at Armageddon. Secondly, I want you to see Satan's forces are drawn to Armageddon. Notice further how Satan gathers his forces. And again, the Bible teaches that all the armies of the world, many of whom are enemies today, will join forces and they will try to defeat both Israel and the king of Israel, Jesus. Notice verse 19, and I saw the beast. Remember, there are two beasts in the Revelation. There's the first beast, typically known as the Antichrist, over 30 titles given for him. The most popular title most of us know is Antichrist. And then there's the second beast who's also called the false prophet who points men to the, fall, to the Antichrist. And so I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies assembled to make war. Now, some would say this is absolutely incredible. This is like foolish. They're coming against Israel, against God's nation. And as we'll see in a moment, they're going to visibly see Jesus coming across the skies and they're going to come against him. Are they mad? Well, when God gives you over to a reprobate mind, to an upside down mind, you'll believe things that are absolutely crazy. Never underestimate the power of the evil one and his ability to deceive. In fact, turn back to Revelation 16 for just a moment. Revelation chapter 16, hold your finger here. And what we pick up there is a behind the scenes picture of some of these events that are leading to this battle of Armageddon. In Revelation 16 and verse 13, we're told, and I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon, you know who the dragon is, John tells us that the dragon is Satan, the evil one, the devil, and I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast, the antichrist, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, his cohort, three unclean spirits like frogs. Now he elaborates in the next verse, in verse 14, for they are spirits of demons, performing signs which go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them together for the war of the great day of God the Almighty. So here we have the spirits of demons performing signs or miracles to lure the kings of the world into this great battle. I hope you know Satan has always had a deep-hated, deep-seated hatred for the people of Israel whether he expressed it through a Pharaoh or a Haman or a Hitler or through a Stalin, he has always hated Israel. And in the history of the United Nations, the nations of this world have put more resolutions against the nation of Israel since their inception in 1948 than all the nations combined. And of course, many of you followed the most recent, most heinous declaration the UN made where they said Israel is not worthy to be a nation. And yet, 
This anti-Semitism is yet to peak. It is going to peak after the Spirit of God living in the church of God and his ability to restrain sin through the church is gone and hell is going to break loose. Now remember, they're not only going to come against Israel, as we'll see in a moment, they're going to come against Jesus. Why Jesus? Because there's 144,000 Jewish evangelists preaching to the whole world. There's an untold number like the sands of the seashore that are converted, and they're going to say, Yeshua is king. So the Jew of all Jews, Jesus himself, is going to come back, and they're going to fight him. Hey, look, you meet these so-called Christians who are anti-Semites, You should seriously question their conversion. If you don't love what God loves, if you don't hate what God hates, it makes me wonder whether or not you've ever received the mind of Christ, whether or not you've ever become a new creature. So here are these sons of Abraham, put out also on the margin, next to verse 14, Zechariah 12, 1 through 4. Zechariah 12, 1 through 4. Now, Zechariah the prophet, chapters 8 through 14, describe the future time frame at the end of the age when Messiah comes back to rule and reign upon the earth. And in Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 1, he describes the very same battle. Understand the battle of Armageddon is not restricted to the New Testament. Now, we get the name for it, though technically there's no such battle called the battle of Armageddon. We'll talk about that in a moment. But that's a way descriptively to to put our finger on this coming uh, attack against Israel. But just like the length of the kingdom is a thousand years according to the Revelation, the concept Messiah will rule and reign on the earth is an Old Testament concept. And the fact that all the nations of the world are going to come against Israel is taught in the Old Testament. Listen to these words, Zechariah chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. The burden of the word of the Lord concerning Israel. Thus declares the Lord who stretches out the heavens, lays the foundation of the earth, and forms the spirit of man within him. Behold, I am going to make Jerusalem a cup that causes reeling to all the peoples around. And when the siege is against Jerusalem, it will also be against Judah. So God says he's going to make Jerusalem, uh, the Net Bible says a cup of dizziness, Uh, The CSB says a cup that causes staggering, a cup of drunkenness for all the peoples that are going to come against them. Now, Israel in Scripture is called the center of the world, the navel of the world. When I was a child, they used to have a chart of the world on the blackboard in grammar school, and of course, in the center was the United States. Well, if you were to draw a flat map of the world in God's economy is revealed in Scripture, the center would be Israel. Israel is the center, and Jerusalem is her capital. And the scripture refers to the fact that these demons, and Zechariah affirms it through deception, is going to intoxicate the nations of the world to come against Israel. Listen now to verse 3. It will come about in that day that I will make Jerusalem a heavy stone for all the peoples. All who lift it will be severely injured. And all the nations of the earth will be gathered against it. Now, 15 times in chapters 12 through 14, the prophet Zechariah uses that phrase, in that day. 
and it's similar to latter times. It's referring to the final day when Messiah will come uh, with, the, with the height of it in chapter 14 when he puts his feet on the Mount of Olives and splits it in two. And so on this coming day associated with the return of Christ to the earth, he will make Jerusalem a heavy stone for all the people. Not only will it be a cup of drunkenness, it will be a heavy stone, a burden for all peoples. God predicts all who lift it will be severely injured and all the nations of the earth will be gathered against it. Now think about how remarkable this prophecy is. You couldn't preach this 100 years ago except by faith. And most people didn't preach it by faith. And so they began to develop from the time of Augustine and especially from the time of the Protestant reformers what's known as replacement theology or supersessionism. The, the church has superseded that they have replaced Israel. And so how would you deal with texts like this? Israel's not in the land 100 years ago. Israel's not a nation. Jerusalem is certainly not her capital. But God looked down the corridors of time and he said at the end of time. That's why we know this time frame is different from any other time frame in history. You said we've always had famines and wars and rumors of wars. It's no different. We just report better. That's sheer ignorance. The difference is Israel is back in the land. Israel is going to be back in the land. Moses said, Jesus said at the end of time, the final prophetic schedule has to take place through Israel. So here's this prophet Zechariah writing where all of the nations of the world are going to come against Jerusalem at their capital, namely Jerusalem. Verse 4, in that day, declares the Lord, I will strike every horse with bewilderment and the rider with madness, but I will watch over the house of Judah while I strike every horse of the peoples with blindness. God is going to create total chaos through the rider who will go mad, through the horse who will be blind here at the Armageddon. Now back here to Revelation chapter 16 and verse 16. We find Satan here itching for a fight. And I want you to see what he's going to do. He's going to get these demons and he's basically going to say, get the nations ready, mesmerize the monarchs, manipulate these kings, bring them to Armageddon, Armageddon, and we're going to destroy the nation of Israel and we're going to fight against its capital, Jerusalem. Now today we see these dark, devilish, demonic forces that are very much at work in and around us if you have eyes to see it. We're standing in the shadows of what God is describing here and he refers to this time frame, notice it's the great day of God Almighty. This will no longer be the great day of man. This will no longer be the great day of the Antichrist. This will no longer be the great day of even Satan. This will be the great day of God Almighty. And Paul spoke of the forces, the, the, the delusion, the demonic power that will be operating during this time. We read in 2 Thessalonians 2, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they might believe what is false. Here's Jesus coming from heaven with his great army, and they think they can beat him. And so this deluding influence 
will come upon the nations of the world who prior to the rapture heard the gospel with clarity and with power. So if you're banking on a conversion experience after the rapture, having sat in a church like this, you've deceived yourself. And then you'll be deceived and that God will permit the evil one to send a deluding influence that you might see what is false. And throughout this seven-year period, there are various expressions of that deluding influence and one that we're studying here in the Revelation for this final assault against Israel. And so verse 16, Revelation 16 and verse 16, notice what we are told. And they gathered them together to the place which in Hebrew is called Har-Mageddon. Geographically, Har-Mageddon is Mount Megiddo here on the plain of Megiddo or the valley of Estrilion or Estrion, depending on how you want to pronounce it in Greek. It's called the Jezreel Valley. Understand there's no valley called the Valley of Armageddon. That's Christianese, and that's okay. I'm not criticizing that. But the geographical place the Bible describes is the Jezreel Valley, and it's called Armageddon. Here's a picture of Armageddon. Some of you have been with me. We've only been there a couple times, but I learned after the second time, by the time we got to the top, those people were so exhausted, they had nothing left for the rest of the day. So uh, in either case, uh, this is what is sometimes called Telmageddo. A tell is a uh, man-made mountain. In this case, there was a hill, but it got higher. How did it get higher? Well, what they do is they, they make a cut in the mountain, and they can read all the different levels of civilization. Some 24 civilizations have lived on this hill. And so a a nation would take the hill critically in terms of trade routes and everything where it sits, and some other nation would say, we want that piece of property, and they'd crush them, and all their buildings would go down, and they'd build up again, and they'd get crushed, and they'd get crushed, and they'd get crushed, and it gets higher and higher and higher. But what it looks over is the Jezreel Valley. And so this is the hill of Armageddon. That tells you the location, the area in which this is going to take place. Now, the Valley of Jezreel, here's another picture. This is from um, the top of Mount Carmel. And so while we don't go to Armageddon, we will go to the top of Mount Carmel. By the way, if you're interested, the trip is over 50% full right now as of yesterday. And so if you're interested, I always want to give our people first choice. But um, this overlooks this valley that's 14 miles wide and 20 miles long. Napoleon said it was the greatest battlefield in the world. And of course, some critical biblical battles took place on this site. In the book of Judges, Barak, under the leadership of Deborah's word of prophecy, fought against Sisera near, the scripture says, the waters of Megiddo. And so this is a very, very important place. And it's in this region. The battle doesn't actually take place on this ground. This is simply the staging place. This is where all of the armies of the world begin. This is what we might call headquarters for this coming battle. And they're up and down a 200-mile range, up and down Israel, going all the way into Jerusalem itself. And so there's going to be a fight like the world has never, ever seen. But there'll be one victor, and his name will be Jesus. If you enjoyed today's message, you can order a CD or DVD copy by calling Search the Scriptures at 877-787-7478 and requesting program God's Prophetic Schedule 022. Every word that Pastor Carl preached today was from the Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, 
that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and for training in righteousness. Have you ever wondered how you can prove the Bible to be true? Well, in Dr. Brogy's book, How to Prove the Bible is True, Pastor Carl examines five crucial evidences that prove the Bible is the Word of God and will share how you can definitively and accurately convey these truths to others. With a donation of any amount, you can receive a copy of How to Prove the Bible is True today by calling Search the Scriptures at 877-787-7478 to receive your copy today. We hope that you will join us tomorrow as we continue to Search the Scriptures.